the best NA team of all time in PUBG, winning everything they could in their region in 2019 with over $500,000 in prize pool. Yes, we're talking about Tempo Storm, but where's Tempo Storm in 2020? Well, their org released them, they dropped them. Now, how could that happen? Welcome to the Final Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Breezy, and today we're going to have the coach of the ex-Tempo Storm team, and that is MicroStar. I'm very glad he could join us to talk about his team, NPL, what was going on in NPL. Moving forward in these rough days for PUBG Esports, so let's jump right in. MicroStar is here with us. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I see, I see nice weather there. I'm jelly. Oh, yeah. M- must be I, Cali I mean, or something. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Beverly Hills right now, but it's uh, it's always nice weather here. Yeah. 60 all the time. You won't yeah. know what that means. but Yeah. But I, I can probably estimate it's like 15 or something. I can't Celsius? do the conversion. No? Oh, no, I know I've, now I've learned this weird way of doing it. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, you come from the UK, but you're mostly now in the end, well, in the US doing PUBG. How did you get into PUBG? Yeah, so I, I've been playing like various esports titles for a number of years, you know, like back in the UK when esports wasn't so big. Um, and that was while doing, I was working full time as a graphic designer. Um, and PUBG came out, I just really liked it. I just decided pretty much like it's going to be my last shot because I'm getting a little bit older now. Um, quit my job, just went in full time on it. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess the rest is history. We, uh, me, and, me and Sharky played together on FlyQuest. Um, pretty much up, in, it was up until December last year. Well, not last, the year before now. Um, and then that's essentially when we we both joined tempo storm um well, turned out to be a decent move for us yeah it was okay yeah so basically you won phase one phase two and phase three uh that is something that no other team in any other region did as far as i know winning all three of the phases um you went to all the global events as well but uh what do you think made tempo storm so successful compared to other teams in the region? Um, and the first thing for me was, I, for me, we were one of the first teams that actually took coaching seriously. Like, it's it, as soon as the, as soon as the Pro League was announced, like, we, we built this roster. Um, the guys invested in the system straight away, which I think that's, that's a rare thing to find, I think. Uh, a lot of kids in esports think that they know everything and it they can't be told what to do, right? It's, I know the best, we're doing it this way, you can all shut up. But yeah, these guys invested really well, especially especially Maluk. Because um, at the start, mo- the, the majority of my work was was with him, like working on rotation. He was the captain, basically, or the, some yeah, kind of leader our, of the team. Yeah. 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 So yeah, a lot of the work was through him figuring out how we rotate around the map. I think we were in the first phase, we were leaps ahead of the other teams in that regard. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember how we, how far ahead we ended towards the end, but it was, we were kind of coasting in, uh, 
in phase one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty much, you know, we built a playstyle where we can adapt, um, <clears throat> which I know other regions, they've got a bit more depth of player base. So they already, they kind of already do that. But mm-hmm. especially in phase one, we're probably the only team or one of few that was able to play various playstyles. You see a lot of times so it's teams that will just, they'll play their one style, like they'll, they'll stay hiding on the edge or yeah. they'll just keep crashing center compounds. But being able to, Battle Royale is all about being able to adapt, really, yeah. at the core of it. The better you can adapt, the better you're going to do. So talking about adaptation, you played in a lot of global events as well, but things maybe didn't go... Uh, your way and those events. Uh, what do you think are the main reasons for that? Um, I think there was, for me, it was like a, a two-part thing. Firstly, like the, the practice we had in NA wasn't that great. Um, when you have all the, the best teams playing against each other there, we definitely were not used to that. We were more used to being able to roll up to some teams and just absolutely stomp them, win that fight, and keep playing. But we take, you know, you take more casualties when you take a fight at a global. You like you'd lose yeah. one or two. Um, <clears throat> so we weren't really used to having a to save games as much. I think we, especially at the start of the year, you looked at teams like Liquid. A, a lot of their times, they'll just be ratting in the center, hiding behind some cars, saving points, which is something we never had to do, and we. It's not an easy thing to practice it. You can talk about it, you can say this yeah. is what we need to do. But if you can't actually do that in practice, um, you're not going to be able to do it at an event. You want to practice like you play, right? Um, I think the second part was at, at the start, we had Zampa and Dre, which both both of those guys, they're not happy with PUBG. They didn't really want to play it. Um, so when they, were at our, when they were at our house, where we'd play for NPL, they'd, they'd have to play, right? Mm-hmm. We have set practice hours, they have to play. Uh, but once they got home, <clears throat> it was pretty much after NPL, they'd, they'd fly home, we'd have a little bit of time off, then we'd come back to practice online. But they wouldn't be putting in those extra hours, so when we got to the events, we'd probably play in our worst PUBG. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much all year. Um, apart from PGS, because we replaced Dre, um, we had Sharpshot, but I think Sharpshot needed more time to to learn our system mm-hmm. uh, to improve as a player. But yeah, it's a, for me, it's pretty much those two things, a combination of the both. Yeah, so you said that Zampa and Dre weren't really satisfied with PUBG, didn't have, I don't know, too much drive to play it outside the what they had to play and what was mandatory. How was it... How many players are like that in, in the PUBG pro scene by your estimate because that was half of your team so that that's a lot <laughs> yeah. of people you know honestly it's it's a lot more it's a lot I think honestly it's a lot more than you'd think um and especially in the NA scene there was a lot of them that they do nothing apart from turn up for scrims play the scrims and then mm-hmm. just go and play other games which mm-hmm. that's that's another factor of how we did so well at MPL because we were the hardest working team. We like we we'd be the only team running double practice, mm-hmm. um, and other teams wouldn't even show up. So, but yeah, I think across all the regions, a lot of players just don't enjoy playing it. Well, why do you think it's? What is the reason behind it? 
I think it's hard to play outside of scheduled practice. Um, and that's why Korea can do so well as they run scheduled practice for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Whereas North America, you'd only get three to four hours a day. And then you're meant to go play pretty much just publics. We, there's not even a GLL or there wasn't a GLL system until recently. Yeah, so, no face and no GLL in NA for yeah. quite a while, right? And you also yeah, have less games during the season in MPL compared to PL and all that. I saw oh, a lot yeah. of complaints about that. Yeah, that that was a that was an, another hard thing with the internationals is we'd end our season and we have we have a month off, mm-hmm. and uh, like PL they pretty much end and a week later at the international. So they're they're still they're still kind of ready. Mm-hmm. We have a month to players start getting a little bit lazy forget about some things you've been working on during the season and these are these are key things that are, you know going to win you a game or lose you a game and that all adds up especially in international when you're only playing a best of 12 yeah a best of 16 well i mean i guess the mpl system was probably better if if all the leagues could be on the same system that i think that system would be better with, with less games because would you really want to play 96 games when you look back compared to what 48 or, or however many you played yeah i i think 96 is too many yeah it's it's not even i don't really i don't care about the players feelings really i look at it more from a fan's perspective yeah do they really want to sit there and, and watch 96 games yeah i know i i know i don't <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah especially since nothing changes like every single game is the same only the map changes but technically it's still the same thing it's not like the yeah. game is so much different if you play it on miramar compared to erangel so i think that's i think that's why the the korean system is interesting because they have that 24 teams so they've got the the three groups of eight mm-hmm. so at least every day you've got the different teams people have got to switch up their drop spots yeah i think that would have made it a much better uh viewing experience yeah possibly but that would then mean even more teams being in in uh, LA or in Berlin, like it would be extra expenses, and then mm. yeah, well, that's a long topic, I guess, for, for some other podcast. But tell <laughs> us, tell us how uh, PUBG Corp supported financially uh, all the teams that were in LA. How did that work? Uh, so essentially, you had two options, right? So for us, we got a house. So they would give us twenty thousand per phase. So you get six sixty thousand for the year. Mm-hmm. Um which if you lived in the right areas that would that could hundred percent cover it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean we had Raynard living with us, so we had a bigger house, so it cost a little bit more, but obviously he an extra person was living there. Yeah. Um then the other option was they essentially just had rooms booked out in um it's, I think it was called the Hilton Garden Inn, um, which is like a long-stay hotel, so you'd have rooms that you can cook your own food in. Mm-hmm. Like they've got laundry there. Actually, it was a pretty nice hotel, to be honest. How many teams uh, uh, took the second option? The first phase, um, pretty much everybody. I think it was just us and Ghost in housing. Okay. Uh, second phase, a couple of other teams tried it. Uh and a couple of orgs got some terrible housing and mm. had to move back into the hotel. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I think it was much better for us to be in a house rather than in that hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you had a, a very good uh, team owner, I guess, and uh, the whole team functioning and uh, oh, yeah, we, obviously. We had really good support. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So I read an article recently about MPL and some people are already saying that it was looking kind of bad from the start, already from phase one. And when did you first see some signs that things aren't going the way that they should have been going? Um, There's, there's always, whenever people ask me about this, there's one key thing that, that really stands out to me. And it was uh, when we were at Face It, I got a message from my GM just saying, like, PUBG, they're ignoring all of our emails. Like, we need a reply. So I went to find the the head of any esports, and I literally stood next to him and waited till he replied to the email. Um, and that was, I was like, this this is something that shouldn't be happening. It's, <laughs> it's literally, <laughs> it's the team that's just won your league and you're just completely blanking them. Mm-hmm. Uh well, there was a lot more after that. I mean, the skins were, the skins were terrible. Yeah, but well, when did they that. when did they implement them the first time? I think the, the so the first one was phase two, mm-hmm. and then it was phase three was the bats, which everyone went crazy about. But I think between both of those, um, <clears throat> between both of those, we ended up making like three hundred or four hundred bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just. <laughs> Terrible. So, th- so that was like 300 bucks per team. So 16 teams total. That really isn't a lot of money that is split between <laughs> all the teams. It's, it's, and they really chose the, the worst possible item they could, I yeah. think, right? I don't even that's know what, what item that is. It's a crowbar or something? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think it is, yeah. But it's, it's just, it's so frustrating that it's like a, it was a half-assed attempt it's like oh all these teams want rev share so let's just throw something out rather than it wouldn't even taken that much honestly just to figure that out and put something in good obviously everyone wanted team skins but look at the look at the pgs skins they were actually somewhat successful and yeah they made millions out of that yeah so they, yeah. they could have easily implemented something that at least made more money than 200 bucks but why do you think yeah. they didn't uh so honestly i don't know but what they've what the staff have always told me is uh korea make all the decisions so yeah. for the, for the whole year it's always been we can't do anything we're waiting on korea so i can't reply to your emails i'm waiting on korea and i don't know <laughs> i w- would really love to know if it actually stems from there or not yeah, but I mean the whole decision making tree in, in PUBG Corp seems really skewed and it's just not working properly. And uh I've spoken to a lot of people and we always conclude there's gotta be it's gotta be the reason that, that you mentioned. Korea making all the decisions and they're really slow at it and then they, they run out of time, then they have to do like something just to please people but it's 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 still not enough and it it just keeps happening over and over but it's interesting because it's not just esports it's not just PUBG esports it seems to be the same exact thing with the game itself with the gameplay and everything else the patches it really seems to be the same exact thing 
like there's it's not different at all yeah i i it's actually crazy i met a guy um two or three weeks ago who's like a i guess like a video game advisor he's worked on a lot of big games uh advising them how to do things and he met he met with the na side it was all like good conversations really thought oh we could do something and then they the na people go okay well if it's going to go any further you need to talk to this person out of the asia office and he never heard anything back and (laughs) (laughs) that was the end of it it just seems like it that's pretty much what always happens yeah but we don't do you know any people that make decisions in the korean office like do we know anyone outside of the people that we saw in some videos you know when they were showing some features uh-huh. that they're implementing and stuff other than that i, I don't really know uh, some korean no. guy that is kind of like the face of the decision makers no one they, they they're really trying hard to stay low and just do yeah, their no, job the way they want it, to do it you know even when we were you know we were in korea for nations cup and even at the global finals still still yet to meet a single person that actually <laughs> makes a decision but we can dream that's we can dream yeah that's that's just incredible um you you talked about the na head of esports and he was called out a lot that position was called out a lot so what were some things that maybe uh, the guy in charge was doing wrong that everyone noticed and there was not much being done about it I mean, he just honestly it's just he wouldn't reply to emails, and that was that was the biggest thing for everybody. Uh, <clears throat> I think if if his if it for me if his issue was like he wasn't getting replies from the higher ups in Korea, Asia, wherever they are, like just replies, just literally reply to these emails and say I've asked about this, you know, I'm trying to find out, yeah. but they don't respond to me. Yeah, but he he's taken all of this flack. Because he just decided, well, I'm not getting replies, so I'll ignore everybody else. So uh, that's very bad. For me, way for me in it. that regard, for me in that regard, he deserved all the flack he got. It, he could have done. He could have set up a, you know, an out of office replies. We didn't even have to do it himself. Mm-hmm. Just auto replies for him. But that's it, it's really frustrating for me because it was a whole year of that. You know, just constantly management at tempo saying we need replies to this like if we can't find any of this out we're backing out you know and that that's what's happened with na that's why everyone's backed out yeah no communication but could you guys complain to someone Um, yeah everyone tried and it's like i say it's always korea make the decisions you know but they've obviously they've made changes now with their staff so Mm mm-hmm the guy that's taken his job over seems to be a little bit more active on Twitter in the last couple of weeks. So at least that, maybe right? Positive thing, you know. Yeah, there could yeah. be something good to come out of it, but it's kind of, it, kind of it. It's way too late for me. Mm-hmm. But it, do you think that someone that has to jump into a hot seat like that can can really do it that fast? You know, make changes, make good changes. Kind of rough. There's a I'm, lot is yeah. going on, mm-hmm. and but that's that's the thing. No one. This whole time, no one's really been asking, like, we need... Well, people have obviously been asking, we need these changes, but at the very least, reply to the email, say you're trying to do it, you know? Yeah. It was never about... For the most part, it was never about getting those changes. It was about hearing they're happening. And mm-hmm. 
I think you look at other titles like Rainbow Six. They're talking to the talking to the team owners constantly, getting their feedback on what they're doing, and that's just especially in North America right now. Orgs want to make money, so that's so valuable to them. Yeah, actually having their feedback heard. Exactly. Well, I mean that's pretty rough. But how did the the whole system work? Who was your first point of contact? You as a team, let's say, if you wanted to reach out to get a question answered or demand something, you did you reach yeah. out to the to the head or, or how did it work? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> we wouldn't get a reply. Uh, honestly, it was the <laughs> NA player handler Primrose. Uh, she probably did more than she was meant to do. You know, she mm -hmm. literally would take on everything, reply to everybody, try and find everything out that she could. Mm -hmm. I, it, it, honestly, if it wasn't for her, it would have gone. It would have gone a shit a lot, mm -hmm. a hell of a lot sooner. Uh, yeah, she was. She was really useful to us for sure. Yeah, I remember her as a the community manager before she took the the esports uh, department job, and yeah, she she was doing a great job there. So, I mean, but what what was her role, uh, official role or job description? Uh. My understanding it was the NA player handler, so she was meant to okay. handle any issues that players are having, and especially at internationals, she would be dealing with dealing with our team specifically, making mm -hmm. sure if, if we had any complaints, uh, which we always did. <laughs> if we had any complaints, I would always go to her rather than the tournament organizer, because she just I'd shout at people. And then she'd shout at people, and we'd get this, we'd get this stuff done, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so she, yes, honestly, w without her, it would have probably been a hell of a lot more of a rush for you. Even though it was probably not her job to do certain things, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so OGN was uh, a huge company from Korea that was involved in mm -hmm. creation of MPL and executing it, and like the whole production and everything else. Did you speak to anyone from OGN and what were their thoughts on what was going on? <clears throat> In case um, you know anything. I mean, we spoke to them a little more towards the end. Um, cause obviously even, even here it was, it was ran by, I guess they sent over some of their staff from Korea to be running stuff here. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of disjointed for us cause we, we, we couldn't talk to them. We just talked to, you know, the American people who didn't mm -hmm. really make the decisions. I see. Um, <clears throat> it's yeah. It's we find. I think they got a new market manager at the start of phase three, and they were showing signs that they were done with PUBG at that point. You know, they wanted to get out. Uh, mm -hmm. Wasn't doing what they wanted. Um, but other than that, like their production was amazing. Yeah. On the the support they gave us, the studio was great. Like food all the time. Um, they literally for the first two phases they'd send a car to our house to pick us up, and then since then it was we'd book Ubers. They pay for it. Um, you know they they had so many extra shows. Uh, I think their ultimate goal was to like create a package and try and sell it to a TV TV mm -hmm. channel. That was. It, kind of what they what they told us um 
It definitely looked like a step up from uh, Star Ladder and, and PEL, in my opinion. Even though Star Ladder looked pretty good from the production side, but you know certain things weren't maybe the best. But MPL <clears throat> really, really looked good, and I think a lot of people liked the the four player focus a lot of times. That was in MPL, right? Uh, and, yeah. And stuff. Some people, you know, it's a uh, double edged sword, I guess. But um, yeah. I think it from... produced some good moments at least. So. Yeah, I, for me, I I did like a lot of it, especially in the early game. You know, give mm -hmm. them a chance to talk about specific teams. But I, yeah. I think at some points, at some points, there'd be like a pivotal fight going on, and they'd mm -hmm. just be following a guy hiding in a bush. Exactly. It, they needed to fix that a little bit. Like, go away from it if there's something important happening. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I I did like it. Yeah, but I mean, props to Ojin for trying stuff out and trying to like modernize PUBG, the PUBG viewing experience, if nothing else. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess you were pretty satisfied with OGN overall, how everything worked out with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, OGN were great. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, 100% would have wanted to keep working with them if it kept going. Okay, that's, that's, uh, that's great, actually. Um, let's talk a little bit about viewer numbers and MPL. So I don't have the exact numbers right now, but I, I'd say <clears throat> that the numbers were lower than expected for a game of uh, no, PUBG size. But the thing is, I guess the you could probably agree with me, uh, the games being that late and being on the West Coast, we saw it in PGC as well. That was a huge problem because only uh, NA could watch MPL for the most part, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that is a problem. Um, but I look at a lot of like North American leagues and other games and they don't really get viewership. Like, for me, it's, it's crazy to me that when I'm in America, you talk about video games, everyone will talk about playing video games. When I was back in the UK, it was like almost taboo. Like you don't talk about playing video games; you just play them. Um, yeah, yeah. But then, but then the rest of Europe, I guess people talk about it. I'm not sure, but everyone seems to watch it, right? Mm, well, depends on the game, I guess. Uh, yeah, of which, course. Which of game course. you playing? I I like for me right now. I compare like to Rainbow Six, which seems in North America has lower viewership or around the same as PUBG, um, but the game supported right. Yeah. So people are invested in it. Yeah. Well, it's a completely different market. They're targeting it, I guess. It's a much yeah. smaller game when it comes to like player account, but it's got a, it's got a rising esports still, I'd say coming up. I'd, I'd say I'd, I don't think that the viewership, I mean, it was unexpected, but comparatively to the, the number of players in North America, mm -hmm. I guess it's not really that crazy. It's definitely a really low number of players compared to other regions. Yeah. Well, but, but they probably have a better conversion, Rainbow Six, from like a casual to uh, an esports uh, viewer than, than PUBG. Mm. Yeah, because they've got, that, they've got that ranking system. They're showing off the esports in-game. Yeah. Which is all stuff that we were expecting from PUBG in the last Obviously, year. Obviously, yeah, never which came. never happened. And that, Except yeah, that the little banners that were kind of 
outdated half of the time and stuff. <laughs> yeah, the banners in the in the corner. No yeah. one ever looks at them. No. I mean, certain games had even like autoplay streams when you boot up the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, Overwatch. <laughs> that drastic, but yeah. But Overwatch had, for example, Overwatch was a game that they literally targeted only NA in the end when it comes to Overwatch League. So they focused on mm -hmm. NA and that game is alive in NA and it's pretty big. But in other regions, I'm pretty sure the game is almost dead. Outside of maybe, I don't know. Even in Korea, I don't even know. I don't follow Overwatch anymore, but the, the whole league is falling yeah. apart because of certain things because they pushed it too far with, they went too greedy with their decision making. Um, at least PUBG gave up in the first year of, of going something, you know, doing something yeah. big. They gave up and said, you know what? This is not going to work out long term. Let's change it up completely. Let's make it more open. Do you think that? PGS is a good thing? Like the whole uh, system? Not really. No? <laughs> no. For, like, for me, I think the first thing, they should have just fully gone in on the league thing, right? Mm -hmm. This The whole year, they, they did all the work setting it up, and then they just said, okay, it's done now. Let's just leave it and not do anything and hope yeah, it yeah. works. That's true. So yeah, if... It's hard for me to say it was the right move when I never saw them fully commit to the league system. If if they did that, they did all this, the things that people wanted, they did the rev share and and it didn't work, then I'd say, yeah, sure, this is a good system. But I understand why they're doing it because the league system didn't work, which is their own fault. Exactly. And then, yeah. and now they just want to they want to push this world stage so they can get the viewership from Asia, which 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 definitely makes sense, right? Like how big the game is over there comparatively to yeah to the western regions, like it's crazy. Yeah. And they they don't want it they don't want to turn around and say we're not doing anything in Europe, we're not doing anything in North America and only having an Asia league. They want to turn around to these Asian teams and say, "Yeah, this is still a world league and you can be the best in the world." Like not just the best in Asia. Yeah. So in that regard it makes sense to me, but it's still disappointing. They kind of realized that they're not capable of executing certain things certain way anymore. And I guess that has to be a good thing <laughs> that they realized mm. what they were doing wrong <clears throat> or, or that, that they couldn't handle what they wanted to initially. And, but yeah, I, I agree with you that abandoning a system they were trying to build for, for months and months, even I'd say years is definitely a bad thing, but I guess we're going to have to see how PGS is going to work out. But for what I saw, there's some issues with the qualifiers now. You, you, first of all, you've been combined with uh, Latin America, South America, and mm -hmm. uh, Australia, <clears throat> and like the Oceanic region. How's that going to work out? Uh, some teams <laughs> are going to be left out, right? Um, yeah. So when I first heard about this, this was at the start of phase three of MPL. Which at that time, I was saying, I guess it's a good idea, right? You, you, if you bring these teams into the North American League, you're bringing a decent viewership. I think both of those regions were getting like thirty thousand viewers off the top of my head. So you'd instantly boost MPL to like six sixty thousand and a little bit from the viewers in NA. Um, but now I don't see the point in it. Like. 
they're still going to be investing quite a lot flying these teams over. Uh, there's only six slots at the global, so potentially both of those regions don't have representation. Yeah. Uh, which I I think they should. Like, I I think there's some good teams in Australia. And but honestly, I think these those teams will likely still make it. But I just it seems a bit confusing to me if you're making this world tournament to have a chance where these regions can't actually make it. I think there should be representation from everywhere. Exactly. Uh, but some some other people have said it to me that you know it should just be the best teams in the world. But but then at that point, at that point, you may as well just predominantly just invite Asian teams. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> but uh, that wouldn't work out. Obviously, at least no. you want you know at least one team from every continent, and then the best teams, at least one. But this way, you don't guarantee any Australian teams, any South American teams. That would be a disaster <clears throat> on the global event if there was no yeah. no teams for those regions for sure. But uh, also, what about the prize pool in the qualifier? Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people getting really angry about that. That there's meant to be no prize pool for the uh, for the LAN in North America. Which I, I mean, if if it's if the global stage is going to be as much money as people are, uh, well, it's rumored to be, which is in the millions for each event, then for me, I think you just take you take a small chunk of that and put it into all the qualifiers, so these teams can actually live. Because especially in North America, we're going to have, I think, two, maybe three teams that are actually going to be signed for the for the next couple of months. And, what are the orders that are left? Uh, so right now you've got Sonics, Wildcard, um, Riot Squad, I think. Okay. And there's only three that are still in. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, after this event, you know, I don't. For me, if I'm an org, I'm not looking to sign a team unless they're making these global events. Yeah, because otherwise you're not you're not making any money. Yeah. So then these these kids are still going to be could potentially be going a year without getting paid, if not never get paid in PUBG again. Which I don't think they realize yet. Uh, which it, it really sucks because a lot of them have dropped everything in their life to play PUBG, and it's just vanished pretty quickly for them. Yeah, but how many? Third party events do you expect to come in and but till the end of the year? Uh I, for North America I don't expect any more, honestly. Uh mm. I'm surprised GLL went so early on it. But but I guess at the same time I'm not, you know, that's where they that's where they started. That's where they got all their investment was doing the PUBG stuff. So Yeah, they were probably most ready out of all the organizers, so they're like, yeah, we need someone to do January and uh, early February, and can someone do it? They were probably the the ones to I, take that. I think that they've gone so early on it. You, the other tournament organizers are going to wait and see what happens with GLL. And mm-hmm. if something good comes out of GLL, maybe they'll come in. But I think you'd be crazy to announce something right now when GLL is literally. I think it's, I think it's like two two months away, pretty much. I, I think it might it's less February, actually. I think yeah, the I think first qualifier is like in a few days. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, no. For uh, for teams that have to go for the opens, the roster lock is literally on the twenty fourth, so two yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really. I was looking at the dates. <clears throat> I'm like, is this really all this month? 
and next month <laughs> that's yeah. it i'm like wow that was yeah. really last minute i think the final i off the top of my head i think the finals were like the last week of february so yeah they want to do it really quick which was surprising but i guess i guess they got limited by pubg on their dates they could do because of pgs we don't even know when PUBG let all these major tournament organizers know that there's not going to be any PL and PL in 2020. So yeah, maybe they had only a month to prepare all this. Well, yeah, knowing how it went for us as an org, <clears throat> they knew when we did, which was the when they posted it on Twitter, because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell us anything. That that's just insane. I I, I can't wrap my head around it. That it's that. That's you'd imagine that the main figures of, of your esport would know certain things before the average Joe, you know, that just watches the games. But it seems like in PUBG Corp size, everyone's the same. And uh, I'm just impressed that GLL managed to get it through and, and, and started already in this month. That, that's insane because they probably didn't know. Yeah, they probably didn't know. Yeah. Like well, um, I I guess the the guy that's in charge at GLO was at PGS, so maybe maybe he had a maybe he was given a couple of rumors, you know. Yeah. So he could get a, he could get a jump ahead. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> uh, where do you think PUBG is gonna go in NA in the next few years? <laughs> right now, I like I don't know. I'm pretty negative about it. I I don't think it's gonna go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Where do I want it to go? I obviously I want it to be successful. I I really like PUBG. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like for me right now, it's hard to even commit to to more time in PUBG. You know. Yeah. Because uh, you literally put another t- another year into PUBG where you could be learning other titles. Like I could learn to coach another game. You know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I really want it to succeed, but. A lot of things have to change, especially in North America. Orgs have to make money now. Yeah, it's tough for everyone. I mean, you guys are working together with the orgs to make it all work, and it's it's not working out for anyone. And uh, yeah, you you mentioned what are these players gonna gonna do if they don't qualify and stuff? Like, you're probably not gonna do anything for like four or five months. What are you gonna live <coughs> off of? No one's got an org. No one's going to get paid. An org doesn't want to pay someone that's not in PGS. And you also mentioned that you don't expect any events for the NA region. How is the NA region going to keep up with other regions now? Yeah, that's that's been one of my biggest concerns. It's, you know, if I, like for me personally, if we if I stayed working in it and you know, we don't have as good practice. We don't have these tournaments with 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 scrimming against open level teams rather than MPL level teams. Um <clears throat> how can we compete with Asia that's scrimming still yeah. eight times a day? You know, they're all getting paid to do that. When the, half of these kids in North America are gonna have to go get part time jobs to keep doing it. Yeah. Like so the level in North America, <clears throat> even with the same players, like if we kept our, if we kept our same roster, I'll our skill level is just going to deplete. Uh, it's going to be harder to compete with those teams. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely it's going to be an interesting year for North America. 
hopefully those tournaments come in and things like that start to happen. But it's kind of just as it always is with PUBG, you've just got to wait until you see those Twitter announcements. Yeah. So when it comes to you guys leaving Tempo Storm, it was what a decision from the top that it's not really worth keeping you <clears throat> as a team anymore. Um, yeah, we were we were planning to keep the team. Um, even while all the other orgs were dropping out, the uh, the turning point was the league going away. So yeah. with the league yeah. gone, you don't have. You can't go to the you can't go to your sponsors and say, "Oh, we've got this team playing on these dates at these times." Yeah. So here's your exposure. It's now yeah. going to be uh, this team. If if we're lucky, our team will qualify for this event, and you'll see them for two days, and mm -hmm. your logo will be there. So, and even throughout the whole year, with the only team that won, and Tempo was losing money the whole year on us. Mm -hmm. So it just really didn't financially make sense, which. They tried their best to keep us, but uh, I don't hold anything against them. They supported us. They supported us so well throughout the whole year. Yeah. And I mean, again, you were the most successful in a team by far. And still, it didn't pay off for the org. That's really unfortunate. I guess that tells the whole story about the, the, the MPL ecosystem that PUBG Corp built or didn't build that kind of made all the orgs go away at the end of the yeah. day well to not end on a on a negative note uh what are some other <laughs> games upcoming games that you're looking forward to maybe to try and out be pro I at mean, it coach <clears throat> the, the two games right well three games i guess that i'm looking at right now is like where rainbow six is right now in north america that's mm -hmm. and where it's going so you know they've got a plan mm -hmm. i've been putting a lot of time looking into Rainbow Six, especially for a lot of these players in North America as well. Isn't that crazy to not be looking at it? Because that game's been so small for for so long. Yeah, a lot. Some of these players could definitely make the make the jump and be one of the best players in that game. I don't watching it. I don't think the level's actually that high right now. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> obviously interested in PUBG Mobile. Uh, still. It's still a little bit too small. I think it needs another year or two to see if it goes anywhere. Uh, in North America, at least. North America, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm really excited for Project Day. But, I mean, everybody is. Yeah, we all uh, are, basically. That's uh, that's yeah. the PUBG, you know, next PUBG for us, even though it has nothing to do with PUBG. It's, yeah. It's I'll what... definitely be keeping an eye on that. And if I like it, I'd probably, end I'd probably start coaching that game. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's all like, it's all wait and see right now. Yeah. But what are your expectations of Project Day? <clears throat> um, I mean, for me, it's like it's backed by Riot. So they're going to, with the success they had with League, they're going to try and push it. Yeah. And they already know what they're doing to some degree. Mm -hmm. uh, comparatively to PUBG, it just lets things sit. Riot already know and they have that, they have that system in place to... Yeah. I guess somewhat replicate what they're doing already, depending on how they want to do it. So I'm mean, I'm expecting I'm expecting even if the game's terrible at the start, you know, they just keep developing it and developing it like they did like they did with League. So I yeah. expect good things. Maybe not straight away, but you gotta give it time. Yeah, for sure. But they're pretty ambitious from the trailer. And that's not something mm -hmm. that people address in their trailer, you know, talking about 
technicalities and stuff. Um, so that is a little bit exciting, but I guess we're gonna have uh -huh. to wait and see and uh, finally get in some alpha closed pre-alpha beta test and just yeah, just test the, the hell out of it. Possible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're all looking forward to that, Matt. I'd like to thank you for coming to the podcast. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and have a nice day in Beverly Hills. And I'm off to bed because it's freaking late <laughs> here. <laughs> and my day's just getting started. Yeah. All right. Catch you later, dude. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, we finally got to talk about MPL. I'm afraid not that many players wanted to talk about the ongoing issues publicly. I understand it fully. But... That's why I'm glad that MicroStar decided to join us for this episode. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, MicroStarGG on Twitter. If you like the podcast, make sure you leave an honest review on your favorite podcasting platform and subscribe to it. I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>